<clears throat> one of the things that um, I've been learning, even as I've been going through the book of uh, Romans, <clears throat> is that uh, that Paul continues to build this case. And he go, kind of goes from being the prosecuting attorney to where he has been telling us once and again that, man, there there's not one man that is that is not guilty. Everybody is guilty, man. And he is just kind of, he made that case. And then he almost kind of like turns around and becomes like a defense attorney to where he begins to, to kind of show and build this case of what God has done on our behalf that if... That if you're guilty, there's a hope for you. That there's something that, that can happen in your life that, that would make you not guilty. And so it's almost like he, 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 he nails everybody and says, you are so guilty. You are so stinking guilty. Man, there's no way you could ever stand before God as righteous. And then he turns around and he begins to make the case to say, but there's a plan that you can be righteous. And, and he starts throwing it out there that, man, it's not by law that we can be righteous. There's nothing that we could do on our behalf to become righteous. All you have to do is believe. All, that, that's all you have to do is just believe. Even like that song that we were just singing at the end. Just believe. Ah, man, oh man. And so he kind of shows us as he's building that case that we can never stand in our own righteousness, but um, but as we stand before the judge in this whole justification thing, he declares us not guilty if we just believe in him. And it, it just kind of almost sounds way too simple. And it, and it really is. <laughs> it, it's, it's really simple on our parts. That if we just receive what he has laid out for us and understand that in our guilty state, there is nothing that we can do. But if we just believe it, then we get all the righteousness put into our account. And you know, again, man, as I've been kind of looking over this and kind of studying this whole thing for months, it just almost seems like, Lord, that just seems too easy. Is there something more that we should be doing? And it's like, no, there's not. And time and again, he has just revealed it to me, even as I've been studying this and getting just blown away going, Lord, this is too much here because it's just not fair that you would love us that much that nothing on our part we could do to to make this. Because, you see, he's the one that moved heaven and earth. He moved everything. He, he, he rearranged whatever had to be arranged on our behalf in order to have a relationship with us. And it's almost like, man, how is it that we still like kind of look at our relationship with the Lord like, oh, whatever. It's, if I have time, I have time. If I don't, I don't. And it's like... Man, I, I wish we can all comprehend and understand what he did on our behalf to say, I want you to have a relationship with me. It's like, why not? Why shouldn't we move heaven and earth to get closer to him? Just in our own personal life, 
at home, at work, every aspect of our life to say, Lord, I want, I want to be close to you. If you did that much, I want to do, and we can never match. <laughs> we cannot match what he has done on our behalf. But why shouldn't we owe our lives to him if he has done everything to justify us? To say, I declare you not guilty. You know, if I give you guys five minutes to start thinking of all the sins you have done. For those of you guys who are Christians, just in your own Christian life and done all the sins, right? When you've already been kind of justified and already declared not guilty, if you started thinking throughout your life, whether you're a week old in the Lord, uh, uh, a month, a year, 20, 30 years, how many sins have you committed even as a justified believer? Quite a bit, huh? It's like, Zeke, you don't even have to give me five minutes. <laughs> man, oh man, I, I could just get so depressed right now. Man, I, I've told people, man, it's like, give me five minutes and I can disqualify myself. I will feel so stinking bad for all the things that I think, say, or do. And yet, man, he wants a relationship. He still says, I still look at you as not guilty. Again, when you start thinking that, it's like, Lord... I don't quite comprehend. <laughs> he didn't ask you to comprehend. He just said, believe it. He just said, walk in it. Walk as if you have never sinned. When you sin and you ask for repentance, or, or you repent and you ask for forgiveness, then you walk as if you never sinned again. And I know that our little pea brains, we kind of think like, well, I've got to feel guilty for a little bit. You know, i got to put myself down. I kind of have to throw some sackcloth and ashes on me. I mean, at least for a week, I shouldn't show up to church. I shouldn't read my Bible. I should. And it's like, no, please don't. That's what grace is all about. Justification. It's a one-time act, guys. One-time act. That he has declared you not guilty. Oh, my goodness. I can go on and on. And so, Paul comes to this portion. He gets to chapter 5, and at the end of chapter 5, he kind of closes the case that justification is by faith alone, and he gives us the results of what being justified means. As believers, both young and old <laughs> believers, if we can, again, grab onto this and let nothing, I mean nothing, sway us when it comes to where we stand with God. God, God, guys, I hope, I wish you could comprehend this and never be moved by your right standing with God. You can never, as a justified believer, can ever be in a wrong standing with God. Does that blow your mind? <laughs> Shouldn't it blow your mind? You can never not stand right with God as a justified believer. He, if he is justified, done. Nothing else you could ever do. In the second part, and I think we might get to it from verses 12 on, he kind of he compares and contrasts justification with condemnation by showing us the difference between Adam and Jesus. What Adam did and what Jesus did. Guys, they can't even compare. <laughs> he contrasts them and kind of compares them, but there is no comparison to the work that Jesus did in comparison to what old Adam did. 
to put us in this mess. Nothing can compare. So verse 1 of chapter 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into his gra- into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint <laughs> because... The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom, uh, who was given to us. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us much more than having been having now been justified by his blood we shall be saved from the wrath through him for if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son much more having been reconciled we have been saved by his life And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have, we now, we have now received the reconciliation. Going to verse one of chapter five, when he says, therefore, I like what one of the commentators um, mentioned as I was looking at this. He says, since, since Romans is a book of logic, it is a book of therefores. Because it's a book of logic, it is a book of therefores. The word therefore is found 34 times in 16 chapters in this book. Therefore, we should pay attention every time we run into the word therefore and to find out what it is there for. And the logic behind the therefore. Therefore, let's move on. Therefore, having been justified. Having been justified. The first thing that you need to notice here, and again, man, I just started, because I changed Bibles out like a few months ago. I don't know when it was, but it's the same exact one I had before, because I, I know where everything's at, but I don't have everything underlined. So I've been like circling like so many stinking words here. Because everything was like, ah, ah, ah. Okay, that's just the way I study. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. Therefore, having been justified, the first thing that you have to notice about justification, it, it, it was, it, it, it's not, it's, it's not a process. It, it wasn't a process. It is a one-time act that occurs when God says you are now made clean, there is no guilt in your life. If you stood before the judge himself in all your guilt, 
And Jesus being the propitiation for your sin that paid the price, that, that, that He came in front of you and said to the Father, He is one of mine, I've paid for Him. Then God the Father says, not guilty. It is a one-time act that that happens. It's not like sanctification, which is a process in a sense. You have been sanctified. You are being sanctified right now. And when you take your last breath and enter into heaven, you will be sanctified. Justification, totally different. It's not like, oh gosh, i got to get justified again. No, you are justified. You have been justified. Again, therefore, having been, past tense, when you accepted Jesus, you were, that moment, justified. You now can stand, stand before God just as if you had never sinned. As I was thinking about that, I thought, you have either been justified or you haven't been justified. And I believe that you should know whether you are or not. Because if you don't know, then more than likely you are not justified. It's simple as that. Are you justified? If you go, I don't know, then more than likely you are not. And you have to come to that place where it's like, I'm justified. Okay, so if you know that you have been justified, then from here on out, please, from here on out till the day you breathe your last, never feel like you can't stand righteous before God. Again, I know what, we, what some of us are thinking. It's like, but I feel so guilty. It's like, so what? He's already declared you not guilty. I know, but what if I sin? Well, you repent. And then you come back and say, I'm standing righteous before God. I mean, it's, not, it's not a game that we should play. We shouldn't take advantage of the fact that we are justified. We should live as if we're justified. And we are right standing with God, so let us walk in it. And when we mess up, you repent. That's First John 1, 9. When you, when you sin, we, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But, but know that if you are justified, then you know it. And if you're like going, gosh, I don't know. You know and, and I'm not saying that we cannot ever have doubts. Because again, man, we, we, we all go through that. We, 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 we sometimes feel like, gosh, I don't know if I am or not right standing with, with God. Um, again, I know that we battle that. But just come back to understanding that you are, if you are. Always, always in the day saying, but I am right standing with you. Right, God? I've been justified. I mean, sing that song if you have to. Just as if I'd never done anything wrong. Yeah, get in your little head up here that you haven't or you are justified. And so because we are justified by faith, not by anything you have done, because we have been justified by faith, look at what we get. We have peace with God. We have peace with God. You see, sin had separated man from God. And because of sin... The father of sin, which is Satan himself, waged war against God. But God never waged war against us. He's never been at war with us. 
We have been at war with, with God. Man waged that war with God. And yet God did all He could. He did everything to have peace with God. So much so that He signed a peace treaty with man with His Son's own blood so that we can have peace with God. And not only do we get to have peace with God, we get to have the peace of God in our lives. Isn't that amazing? Just because you're justified. You see, if if there is no peace in your life right now, it's like, okay, let's go back to being justified. (laughs) Are you justified? Well, yeah, I am. Then you should have peace with God. And if you have peace with God, you should have the peace of God resting upon your heart, right? It's almost kind of like makes sense, I think. I mean, it's making sense in my mind that if I read here, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. If you don't have peace, why is that? Have you ever asked yourself that? If I am right before God, then why don't I have that peace in my life? Check yourself. Check yourself because there should be some kind of peace dwelling in your hearts, in your lives. You should be walking in peace because He is the God of peace and He dwells in you and He has declared you not guilty. I don't know, I can get excited about that. But we also have access. Access by faith, it says. Again, I circled like peace. I've circled like justified, I don't know how many times. But faith, peace, we have access. Circle access. Access by faith. Because of the finished work of Christ, because Jesus has done all this on my behalf, we have the privilege to approach. That's what access means. The privilege to uh, uh, approach. In in, in other words, we have the, the privilege to approach the bench to the God Himself, to the judge Himself, without worrying about condemnation because He has just declared me not guilty. So because He's declared me not guilty, He says you may approach the bench. And so you get to come up and you don't even have to worry about anything being wrong because he says we have access by faith into this grace. You see, you're going to approach the bench and guess what he's going to lavish on you? Grace, unmerited favor. You don't deserve it, but he's going to give it to you anyways. Because you have been, what? Justified. Because you have been justified, you have free access to the judge himself. You can go into his, his chambers. You know, you can go into, you can run up behind the desk and say, hey, you're my God, right? You're my judge. You're my father. You're my everything. And he says, yeah, come on in. You can go behind the, the bench and talk with him. Why? Because we have grace awaiting for, waiting for us. And again, grace is another of those words, man, that it should be circled, underlined, understood that you do not deserve grace, but He gives it to you anyways. And He just lavishes you with His grace. There's never enough grace that you can... There's never enough... You can never run run out of grace. There's always enough. That's what I want to say. There's always enough. And when we get to it at the end of the chapter, I'm going to get crazy. Um, but I don't know if we will. Okay, so, and then I, I'm going to move on. 
So, so look at what we have. We have, we are being justified by faith, so we have peace with God, and then we have access by faith into the grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope. We rejoice in hope because we have been justified. We rejoice or we boast, is that word, rejoice. We boast in the hope which we can experience here and now and in the life to come. The hope that is within us is that one day we will be with Him. And so we can live today with that hope. It's not like, man, I can't wait for that hope. It's like, man, that hope is already alive today. He has come to give us life and that more abundantly. So we can enjoy life today because we have that hope. And that's what he's saying. Man, we can boast in that. We can be so excited about having this kind of hope. We can experience this hope. And then he says, as we, we, we have like justification by faith, we have peace with God, we have access by faith, and we have grace to where we can stand and boast and rejoice and hope in the glory of God. And then he says in verse 3, and not only that, and I'm thinking, can it get any better? Can it get any better than that? Because he says, and not only that, and you're almost like waiting for like, you're going to get double of this, like an infomercial. Don't buy it yet. You're going to get that. But wait, you have more coming to you. And you're going, what more can we have? If we have peace, access, and hope, if we have justification and grace and glory and all these things, what more can we have? He says, but not only that, verse 3, but we also glory in tribulation. So what? (laughs) It's like, wait a minute, we've just been talking about all these amazing words, all these amazing things that He has given to us because what we are, what, justified? We are justified. And because we are justified, we get to glory in tribulation. And that word glory is the same word as rejoice in the previous verse. We get to boast in our tribulation. We get to triumph in our tribulation. And I know that just sounds like such an oxymoron, right? When you're talking about tribulation and rejoicing, but James talked about it. Hey, count it all joy when you fall into various trials and temptations, you know, because it produces things. You know, we, all, all these other things like peace and access and hope and, and glory and all, all those things. I mean, man, right on. Those things are given to us automatically. But you know what causes us to grow? Tribulation. That's why he throws that in there. Because of tribulation, we can grow. Because this is what he says. And not only that, you should like underline, not only that, and I'll like put a little happy face. What next? And not only that, but we glory in tribulation, knowing, knowing. Okay? Knowing's like another, it's like you should know this. Okay? Knowing that tribulation Tribulation, that word tribulation means affliction, anguish, burdened, persecution, trouble, all those kinds of words. Okay, knowing that those things, tribulation, produces perseverance. Perseverance. 
Perseverance is like being able to bear up under the weight. You know when somebody like throws on this big old weight on you? I mean, it would crush me, but you know, for you guys studs. It's like, yeah. You know, and, and you see these guys like, oh, and they're bearing it up under their, you know, and it's like, that is perseverance. I don't do that very much as far as weight thing. <laughs> but when life gets really heavy, and he says, you know, the tribulation, the anguish, the burdens, all those things that come upon us. He, goes, he says, through that tribulation, you can endure. You can, you can do it. You can hold it up. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. That, 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 that you, you are able to bear it up. And then it produces character. Character that, that is proven. Because you've gone through the trial. Again, I've said it way too many times, but I'll say it again. A a, a faith that is not tested cannot be trusted. And so when you are being tested, then you can be trusted. And that's where character comes in. Because you've been proven that you can do it. That you're going to hang in there. And then, he says, perseverance, uh, character, and character, hope that hope, that living hope that we've talked about in 1 Peter, that hope that, that we can't see it, but we know we're going to be there. The kind of hope that, that, again, when you breathe your last, you know that you're transitioning right into heaven, that there is something waiting for you, that it's just not this dead hope, it's a living hope. Why? Because Jesus not only died, but He resurrected and proved that there's a hope. And so these three verses Verses 3, 4, and 5. I want to read them to you in the Amplified. It says, Moreover, let us also be full of joy now. Let us exult and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship produces patience and unswaying endurance. And endurance, fortitude, develops maturity of character, proved faith, and tried integrity. And character of this sort produces a habit of joyful and confident hope of eternal life. Such hope never disappoints or uh, deludes or shames us. For God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That's what, we, that's what all you guys should be saying. Yeah! Amazing! I know all you guys can't do like, like that. But I, I hope deep down inside you're going like, right on, Lord. Even in your own quietness, right on, God. Thank you, man. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us the Holy Spirit through all of this so that we can do this. And I know sometimes, man, I, I get up here and I, and I preach it up and I throw it down and I gear, man. And I'm like, you guys are probably going like, yeah, Z, calm down, dog. Just calm down. It's like, man, why? why? Why should we ever like just be chill about what we have just read here, you know? Why should we just like, whatever. I could almost guarantee you, I mean, not that you guys do. I know you guys, if you are so like whatever, I can almost guarantee you are not justified. You are not justified because you would not just be like, oh, hum. You would be rejoicing. 
you would be boasting. You would be excited about what he has done on our behalf. Man, am I sweating or is it, is it hot up here? Or is this just me preaching it up? Because um, I'm sweating like a little televangelist up here right now. Um, verses 6 through 11. <laughs> For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Uh, in other words, when we were weak and powerless to help ourselves, Jesus reached out and paid the price that we couldn't pay. He didn't have to, or he didn't die for the righteous, but he died and he did all this for the ungodly. Just like he has been making the case that all are under sin, every one of us has been guilty, he says, that's who I died for. Just like he justified the ungodly as we looked at last week in verse 5 of chapter 4, he justifies ungodly people. And I think we all fit that category. He justifies the ungodly. And not only that, but he, he died for the ungodly. Jesus did not come to make good people better. Because there is none good. No, not one, the Bible says. Not one. He came to save ungodly people. That's you and me. We all fall into that category. And now being justified, we are saved sinners because of that. He goes on to share in verse 7 where, you know, scarcely, you know, somebody will die for, for a righteous and, and for a good man, maybe some might dare to die. And I know that there's people out there that would die for other people. And I'd say, I would say that we would probably die for certain people in our lives. It's like, man, yeah, I would lay down my life in a heartbeat for bam, 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 bam. But would you die for like the worst person you could ever think of right now? Alive or dead? Who's the worst person that you can think of right now? Would you die for him or her? When we think of all the atrocities that have been made or done with the people that have been in our history books, that we just like cringe when we think about them, would you die for them? It's like, absolutely not. And yet God says, at your worst, when you were like a filthy, stinking sinner, he died. He died for you just so he can justify you. <laughs> just so he can make you righteous. Because in verse 8 he says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us. While we were in the worst of the worst. Much more than having been, made, having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath to come. If He did this on our behalf when we were sinners, when we were ungodly, when we were unrighteous, if He justified us then, then the wrath that is to come, when He comes in, 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 in His second time to, to bring wrath upon the earth, He says, we will be saved from that. That is like a plug for post-trib. You know, that we're out of here before the judgment of God comes. Because again, he says, if, if he can do that on this end, then he will save us from any wrath to come. 
I heard one, one pastor say, man, I am so post-trib, I don't even, I don't even eat like post-products, the cereal post. I don't even, yeah. <laughs> it's like, man, I am so post. <laughs> man, he is so convinced. No, pre-trib. I'm sorry, was I saying post-trib? I'm so sorry. You guys are probably, you guys are like scholars going, man, he is such a heretic right now. <laughs> It's the glasses, yeah. I should look at my notes instead of just like keep on going without my notes. You know, I should like study it. Anyways, no, that's a plug for pre-trib. Erase that, guys. If you guys can, fix it. Fix it somehow. I don't want that going out somewhere. It's like, turn it off. <laughs> at least for you guys, you guys didn't get up and leave. You know, some of you guys are probably going, oh my goodness. I'm so done here. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Okay, yeah, because that, that joke just like came out and it's like, wait a minute, why wouldn't he? Just... He is so pre-trib that he wouldn't eat post-products. Yes, that was... Yes. I... Did I save it? I don't know. Jeez, man, talk about sweating now. Okay, so. <laughs> Whoa, man. Luckily, you guys didn't like rush the stage and take me out. Um... <laughs> He's going to save us from the wrath to come. Where am I? Um, For when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Much more, having been reconciled, we have been saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. Verses 10 and 11 in the Amplifier says, for, what, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, it is much more certain now that we are reconciled that we shall be saved, daily delivered from sin's dominion through His resurrection life. Not only so, but we also rejoice and exultingly glory in God, in His love and perfection through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the joy of reconciliation. Reconciliation is the removal of enmity or hostility that stands before God or between people and God. And since we have been enemies, or since we were enemies of God, reconciliation is that basis that restores fellowship with God. We are restored. The Old Testament used the word atonement for the word reconciliation here. Redemption, we've talked about redemption. Redemption started the deal. Propitiation... We saw that word the last couple weeks. Satisfies the deal. And reconciliation seals the deal. It seals it right there. We are now in perfect harmony with God because of what He's done. Now I'm going to read from verse 12 to the end of the chapter. I'll try to make some comments here, but if it gets repetitive, I'm not being repetitive Paul is, okay? But, but he uses the word one a lot, okay? And he's often l- talking about the one, Adam, 
And sometimes he's talking about Jesus. There's one time that he uses one as Jesus, and, and it's capital one. But he might say like, um, anyways, try to follow along. If I can, I'll do it justice. Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin. Thus, death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, both, uh, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man offense, the one man's offense, many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For judgment which came by one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if one, by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as one man's disobedience, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made Righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Really quick, as we finish, here he gives us the contrast. That the one man, Adam, because of his disobedience, because of his offense, death reigned. And guys, that's a proof that, that the sin that he committed was, was real. And because of that, people die. People have continued to die. And because of the one man's offense, all died. And so because of that, God sends one man, Jesus Christ, and because of all the offenses, this one man is able to justify by that single act of dying and resurrecting. So death doesn't have to reign in our mortal bodies or, or in, our, in our bodies, in our spiritual bodies. We get to have life because of Jesus Christ. Again, there's judgment that comes because of the one man's offense 
and condemnation because of it, and because of one man's righteous act, Jesus Christ, we can be justified. We can stand righteous before God. And so one man's disobedience made many sinners. And because of one man's obedience, he made many righteous. Where do you stand? Where are you at? Are you the righteous? Have you, have, have you succumbed to the righteousness of God because of what he has done? I love verse 20. It's one of my favorite verses where it says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. You know, when the law came, it said, Well, here's sin. This is sin right there. And see, oftentimes when we look at sin, we're so focused on sin. And yet, he goes on to say, But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. In other words, where there is sin, there's so much grace to cover this sin. If this is sin, our sin, grace covers this room. There's that much more grace than there is sin. But here's where we're at oftentimes. We focus on the sin. It's like, man, there's so much sin right there. And it's like, yeah, but God's grace covers that. Okay. It's like, yeah. It just engulfs this room. There's so much grace. It super abounds. Guys, that's what we get to live like. But we focus oftentimes on, on our sin. Oh, I mean, Jesus died for our sins. And we shouldn't take it lightly, guys. I understand that. But man, we should walk like, man, Jesus' grace covers it. Yeah, not only covers it, it super abounds it. There's so much more grace than there is sin, people. We can never out sin the grace of God. Not that you should try. And many of you guys, many of us, we try hard, don't we? But you can never sin or out sin God's grace. There's always more grace. There's always more grace. When you think that you're getting short, you did you haven't even scratched scratched the surface of what grace is all about, guys. You see, when we understand justification, when we understand propitiation, when we understand reconciliation, those are the types of things that would make us stand and not be moved. Those are the kinds of things that should give us the assurance in our lives today that we don't ever have to walk away because we're assured. Because every time you sin, and we'll cover this in chapter 8, probably in a few months, where it says... Now, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. You see, when sin pops its ugly head, we deal with it. We come back to the cross. And and, and we receive no condemnation. He takes away our sin. You see, condemnation will draw you away from God where you feel like, oh, I can't show up to church. Oh, I can't, you know, like talk to my brothers and sisters because they might ask me something. Um, No. We, we just continue to walk in the grace day in and day out. And I think that's, sometimes I think, I take advantage of God's grace. I understand. I know it's probably, I should, I should like stop the mic right here, but uh, confession time. Um, but, but so often I take advantage of grace because I understand grace. Not totally, but I totally, I, I understand it enough to say, okay, Lord, I forgive you, forgive me. I'm going to walk as if I never sinned. And sometimes you almost want to feel guilty 
like, no, I should feel even guiltier. It's like, no, he's forgiven me. Quit being guilty. He's declared you're not guilty. Why? Because you've been justified. Just walk in that. Doesn't give us a license to continue to sin, being jerks. But it continues, we can continue to walk in that grace. Amen? Man, I hope you guys understood that. Let's stand. <laughs> we'll close in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much, Lord God, for just reminding us once again about justification. Lord, I can go through the list once again, Lord God, about the peace and the access and the hope, Lord. I can, I can look at even as, as some of these verses that we covered, Lord God, where it talks about faith, hope, and love. God, there's so much richness in these portions of Scripture, Lord, that, God, you have reconciled us to yourself. There's no, more, there's no more war. There's that peace treaty, Lord, and we get to stand righteous before you. And so, Lord, we want to do that. And I pray right now, Lord God, if there's somebody here who knows that they are not justified, that today, Lord God, you would capture their heart, rock their world right now, Lord, rattle their cage, whatever you got to do, if they know that they're not justified. But they would stop trying to do it on their own. And they would surrender all to you. So Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving us the contrast between Adam and Jesus. And the work that he did far outweighs anything that Adam ever did. Just like your grace outweighs any sin that we can commit, Lord. Blessed be your name. Glory in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Thank you.